I'm excited for Christmas. Is anyone else excited as I am for Christmas? I'll tell you why I'm excited, because we have our new show that we've been working on for like two years now, and it's called Mary. Actually, someone on our team went, is this the first show we've ever actually done about Christmas? We're always doing like shows about animals and, and crazy and toys. Remember the toy one? This is actually about Mary herself. So it's, it's going to be a really, really cool show. We, and I want to thank, I want to do a huge th- shout out to all the people have been working so hard on this for such a long time. They really have been. I mean, of course, you can see the decorations and the props that have been put together, etc. I mean, building it, I mean, practicing it, I mean, writing music. I mean, everything under the sun. It's going to be really cool. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I want you to make a concerted effort to reach out to someone, to invite them to come to the show. Why? Just because we want to fill up the seats? Absolutely. No. Um, that's a good reason, though. But simply because of this, there are so many people who will never step foot in a church. There are so many people that will never subscribe to the Christian way of life, but they still need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of the best ways they can ever hear that is when we put our best staging into it, when we put our best efforts into it to to, to fashion the message in a way that people can actually receive it, to absorb it. I don't care if they're entertained. That's actually what what we're trying to do is we're trying to entertain them, but I'm hoping that they'll hear the message of Jesus Christ. Simply this, that God so loved the world. The Father loves us so much that he was willing to give his son in order that we might be able to be reconciled back to him. That's good news. But if this is the only time they get to hear it, it's going to come down to this. It's because somebody invited them. The fact is, most of us here have been invited by two people. Number one, you've been invited by someone to come here. Or number two, you're invited by Google because you searched us, right? So, so, so it takes someone else inviting someone else. So I want to encourage you to bring someone or to at least to invite someone to come to the show. So we've got next Friday and we've got next Sunday, two services as well. I believe they're two different times though. Um, the second service will be at 12 o'clock because we need some space between the two shows to let the, the dancers rest because they're putting a lot of effort into this. Good stuff. Could you do that for me? Excellent. Thank you all three of you who shouted out for that one. That's good. That's good. Can I start off with a joke today? I never said it would be funny, but can let me tell you this joke. This is a joke I heard today and I thought it was really funny just, just the other day. So there was this young girl that went to school and she, she went to school and, and she spoke to her, her teacher and she said, sir, can you tell me what type of whale was the whale that swallowed Jonah? And the teacher went, well, I, I don't know if I, I th- that, that story's not really true. It's just a story. And she goes, no, no, the Bible says that it's true. And he goes, well, it can't be true because there is no whale with a throat big enough to swallow a man completely. And she goes, well, it's in the Bible. So when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah, which whale swallowed you? And he goes, yeah, but what if he went to hell? And then she said, well, then you ask him. (laughs) Yeah, I love that joke too. I thought that was funny. (laughs) Many of us probably feel that same way about some of our family. (laughs) You think they're going to hell, right? You just think they're like, there's no way that God is accepting them into eternity and into his family. Today, I want to talk about the journey of reconciliation because Christmas is actually meant to be about joy, right? Joy to the world, the... Good, good, good. You're on key. That's good. 
Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Joy, that's what Christmas is all meant to be about, right? It's meant to be about uh, uh, special trees and presents and cookies and eating too much turkey and having lots of fun and singing songs. Like last Christmas, I gave you my heart, but the very next day you gave it away, right? That's, that's what it's meant to be about. It's meant to be joyful. But so many of us actually have the opposite experience for Christmas, so many of us have a lot of dysfunctional families, right? You're probably thinking, yeah, Pete, I've got a dysfunctional family. We put fun into dysfunction. That's how, functional, that's how dysfunctional we are. Then we took the fun out of it, and now it's just dysfunction, right? That's what my family is like. And I get it. Many of us go through strife. We go through tension. We go through loneliness. We go, go through even digging up old memories. Some of you even have to celebrate like four or five different Christmases. You have your own Christmas. Then you got to have your mother's Christmas then your father's Christmas because they're not together anymore. Then you got to be your in-law's mother and your in-law's father because they're not together anymore. And it gets so much tension, so much work. And you're like, ooh, it's not worth celebrating Christmas. Can we just cancel it this year? Many of us go through that. And yet it says that the angels came and they said this, they shouted out. They came down in a host and it says, peace on earth and goodwill to all mankind. Have you, have you heard that before? Peace on earth and goodwill to all mankind. The interesting thing is that many of us are like, where is this peace? Is it in the eggnog still? Because I can't find this peace anywhere. Where is this peace in my family? If we could just not visit each other on Christmas or Christmas time, then we'll all probably have peace because we'll just watch Netflix separately and we'll all be calm and we'll all be at peace with ourselves, right? That's sometimes our only idea of how we can actually have peace in our lives. Peace on earth and goodwill to all mankind. But where is this peace? Here's the problem. The problem is, this is actually a wrong reading of this scripture. <clears throat> you probably come across this scripture many times. You go on your Christmas cards and people send you Christmas cards just thinking of you, peace on earth and goodwill to all mankind. You maybe got it on your wall, on stressed wood that's been painted, peace, right? And maybe you get it and you watch it on TV and you've got all these, maybe you've got a nice Christmas jumper that says peace on earth, goodwill to all mankind. It's everywhere except that's not how the scripture reads. So let's read the scripture and see what it says in Luke chapter 2. And we're going to be beginning at uh, verse 8. And we know the story is when Jesus was born, it says these angels come. And it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. There are a couple of things that the angels said there that I want to pick out that we have misread. And it's that peace on earth and goodwill to all mankind. And I want, I, want us to, I want us to try and tease a couple of these things apart here because it changes the way that we would, we would normally understand this. The first one is it says this. It says, and on earth peace. Note, notice that. It doesn't say peace on earth. It says, and on earth peace. In fact, there is only one place in the Bible it says, and on earth, peace, and it's here. 
There's also only one other place in the Bible where it literally says peace on earth. Jesus said peace on earth. But he didn't say it in the context that you might think. In Luke chapter 12, he says this. Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. Whoa, Merry Christmas, everybody. It doesn't make sense. Why would, he, why would he have such a contradicting message here? It seems like, you know, the pastor should be talking about it and peace will just come all over you like, like, like snow, just, just like pixie dust, just floating all over you. No, no, no. It says that Jesus came to bring division. I didn't come to bring peace on earth. Why? Because he came to bring righteousness. And righteousness is when you're making the difference or being able to tell the difference of what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong. It's amazing how we want everybody to feel good about Christmas. The fact is, that's not what Jesus came to do. He came to bring reconciliation between us and the Father. That's different. He didn't come to give us good feelings. He came to bring us reconciliation. Why? Why? Because our eternity is dependent on it. Our future is dependent on it. Life is dependent on this. And the only place in the Bible that says peace on earth is when he says, I didn't come to bring this. You see, when he says on earth peace, I believe it means this. In the midst of brokenness, God will bring peace. You see, many of us, I believe, demand an environment of peace. I want my family to be at peace. I want my workplace to be at peace. I want my neighbors to be at peace. I want the city. I want politics. I want even Donald Trump to be at peace. But... I believe that we have to be the voice and the presence of peace in the middle of strife. Why would he send you to an environment of peace? It doesn't do him any good and it doesn't do, doesn't do anybody else any good. You can't make a change to an environment of peace, but you can make a change to an environment of strife and trouble. Hello. You can have an effect on there. And I believe as Christians that we gather together and we grow together, we are called to go out and do the work of Christ. We have got to become the vessels of peace to our family. We have got to become the voices of peace to our family. And when someone in your family starts, starts cracking up on things that you used to do or starts arguing with someone else, somebody needs to, talk, to, to stand up and speak up and speak peace into the situation. I'm not talking about peacekeeping. I'm talking about peacemaking. I'm not someone that's just trying to settle things down and everything will be fine. But literally trying to say, you know what? You know what's good? This is what's good. You know what's holy? This is what's holy. I'm not saying that you should try and step into people's lives and try and correct them. Not at all. Just don't get stirred up by them. Don't get involved. Don't, don't get dragged into it. Don't get dragged into arguments. Don't get dragged into the tension. Decide who you're going to be before you get to the party. Decide who you're going to be before you talk to the person who's, called you nothing, who's caused you nothing but strife in your family or even in your workplace or even in your neighbor. You have to decide that you're going to be the presence of peace. That's why it says, and on earth, peace. That means on earth, you. On your, in your family, you came. In your workplace, you turned up. In your neighborhood, you live. You are the voice and the presence of peace. The second thing he says, he says, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Look at this, on his favor rests. It's interesting because that's the NIV, which is actually a pretty good translation. But the KJV says, and goodwill to all men. It's actually a little bit wrong. 
The original version says completely something different. It says this, and on earth peace to men of good will. Why does this make any difference? I'll tell you why. Goodwill is an interesting word, right? You probably heard it many times. If we zoom into that, we see that word goodwill. Have you noticed there's a space between the word good and the word will? Have you noticed that before? I'd never noticed it before until I started looking at it. I'm like, why is there a space there? It didn't make any sense. I thought there was actually a mistake in my, in my Bible. And I went through a bunch of other Bibles. I'm like, oh, look, it is separated. Do you know why? Because the word goodwill means friendly disposition or benevolence. That's not what God is actually asking us to do. He's not telling us to just go in and just be Father Christmas to everybody. Just be Father Christmas, everybody. Happy, happy, everybody. Peace and goodwill to everyone. He's not looking for that. I mean, if that's the way you are, God bless you. That's fine, right? But neither is he telling you to go in there with a sword and start swinging here. He's saying he's looking to give peace to those who are men or women of goodwill with a space. What does a space mean? It means righteous choices. Good is our morality that comes from God. Will is the choices that you make. You see, God can give us all goodness. He can give us all the righteousness. He can give us all the the wonderful things that we need in our lives. But we have to choose to carry it. We have to choose to say it. We have to choose to think it. So I believe that when he's saying that he wants to give us goodwill, it's not benevolence. He wants to give us peace to the person who's choosing to be the vessel of peace, to be the vessel who acts out the way that he wants to live. The word favor is the word that's used in the NIV. And I think that's interesting because it also says that peace is for those who want to act like the way the Father wants them to act. What does that mean? It means this, that my favor is on my children who actually live up to the standards that I set for them. Does it mean that I don't live my, love my children equally? No, I love my children equally. It doesn't mean my favor is on them equally. You see, if one of them is gonna tidy their bedroom, well done, you're getting ice cream. Mm-hmm. You're getting ice cream cake. You're gonna get the special sprinklings on top and it's gonna be wonderful. You, I told you to clean your bedroom and you didn't do it. No soup for you. Does it mean that I don't feed them? No, I feed them. I shelter them, I give them education, I give them love, I give them affection, everything that is expecting of a good father, but they don't have my favor. Hello. And I believe that many of us are looking for peace in our lives. We're looking for that presence that's settling in our heart when we're about to walk into a war zone with our family or our friends or wherever it is. But the fact is you can't feel it because you're not living out and speaking out in the way that the Father would. The Father didn't come to condemn us is what the Word says. He came to give us life and life to the full. He came to give us salvation. Therefore, God's peace is not on everybody and it's not for everybody. It's only for those who are ready to carry it. So here's the question I have. How do you go about carrying this peace? How do you, about, how do you go about trying to, to, to have those words that can, be, that can be life transforming for people? Glad you asked. The only person I can think of who's a good example of that would be Jesus who actually showed us the template of reconciliation. How did he do it? In my reading, one of my favorite scriptures is from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter five, verse seven to nine. And it says this, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who would save him from death. Sounds like a Christmas message already, doesn't it? And he was heard because of his reverent submission. 
Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. There are four things that jump out to me when I'm reading this scripture. The first one is this. The very first line says, during the days of Jesus' life. You know what that tells me? The journey of reconciliation has many, many, many years. Bad news. Bad news that we're hoping that, that once they got saved, everything would be fixed in their life. When I got saved, everything seemed to get worse. Bad news if you were hoping that this will all just get covered over and we'll never have to pray about these difficult things ever again because God will just fix all those things and they'll all be settled. But the fact is it takes many, many years, the journey and the process of reconciliation takes time. When Jesus was born, he could have just died the year after and God could have counted that as a sacrifice for us. But no, he waited 33 and a half years. Why 33 and a half years? Why not 20? Was he not ready at 20? Why not 25? Was he not ready at 25? Why not 30? Why, th why 33 and a half? Reconciliation takes time. And if it's taken you 20 years to get into a broken relationship with someone in your family, then you need to give it 20 years to get out of that broken relationship and mend the relationship. That's the type of patience we need to have. It says the days of Jesus' life. It wasn't just a few days. We can see it was years and years and years. There are many steps to be taken to get to that place. And I believe as Christians, we need to learn how to celebrate the tiny steps that happen. You see, our expectations are so high that this relationship has to get fixed now. It has to be sorted out now. Well, wait a second. Maybe it can't get fixed now. Maybe it needs to take a journey. Maybe it's going to take some time. What did you do today? What did happen? Did they speak to you today? Well, then celebrate that. Did you have a cup of coffee with them? Then celebrate that. Did they send you a Christmas card? Then celebrate. Celebrate all the tiny wins because every step is going towards ultimate reconciliation. Number two. The journey of reconciliation has many layers, as Shrek said. Okay, the journey of reconciliation has many layers. Hebrews 5, 79 says, He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Why are we talking about this, Peter? Why do we want to talk about tears and fervent prayers and all that stuff? This is all about Christmas. I'll tell you why. Because I believe that life is like an onion. I remember my mentor, not Shrek, but I remember my mentor telling me that life is, people are like onions, right? They're like onions. There are so many layers to them and they usually come with tears. And I remember him telling me that when I was working for him in London and I'm like, huh, okay, that's, that's really interesting. It's always stuck with me. And sometimes I'll get people who, will often feel bad when they, if they call me up. I've got the privilege of so many have shared your stories with me and the difficulties you've gone through. And sometimes every now and again, if you call me up about the exact same thing, you're like, I feel so bad I'm calling up about the exact same thing again. And I always say, no, 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 don't worry about it. It's the next layer. You just thought the whole thing was gonna be sorted out, right? You think it's all, now that we sorted with that layer, it's all finished and we, we all move on. No, 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 no. There's a hundred other layers on this onion that you still got to work through. There's another, another layer of onion that's going to come with te tears. There are layers to your family. There are layers to your spouse. There are layers to yourself. There are layers to your generations even. And only through the grace of God can we actually sort through these layers in our life. It takes time. There's many, many layers. God could have changed it, it says. Look at that, it says, 
Jesus offered up prayers and petitions of fervent cries and tears to the one who could have saved him from death. Why didn't he save him from death? Why didn't he fix this? Because you see, here's the thing. God's not in the business of trying to fix your problems. He's in the business of changing your heart. Let me say it again. God's not in the business of trying to fix your problems. He could do that at the snap of his finger. He's in the business of changing your heart. And the one thing he can't do is he can't force your heart to be changed because it's your will. It's your will. It's your decision. It's your choice to either be changed or not be changed. But every time we allow God to strip back a layer on our life, a layer in our family, it's going to come with tears. It's going to come with fervent cries. It's going to come with pain. But that's part of the journey of reconciliation. Number three, the third thing is, the journey of reconciliation needs constant trust. Verse seven, it says, and Jesus was heard because of his reverent, what does that word say? Another word, Peter, that doesn't say anything about Christmas. Reverent submission? Why would he have to have reverent submission? Well, see, the word reverent submission, the word submission, we often take it as servility or subjugation. This is not about servility or subjugation or even passivity. The original word actually literally means this. And I, I found this fascinating. It means cautious to listen to God. Cautious to pay attention to what does the Father want in the situation. It's the same, <laughs> it's the same as the fact that the angels just said, and on earth, peace to those who are of good will, those that are making righteous choices, those that are doing the right things, they're making good decisions. That's who peace is upon. And I believe that when you have this cautiousness to listen to God, you're watching intently, what does he want me to do? And I believe that this is all about trust. The journey of reconciliation, number three, needs constant trust. Why constant trust? Well, when I ask my children to do something, I don't need them to understand why I'm asking them to do it. I just need them to do it. Am I right? I don't need them to understand why they should do it. I don't need them to have a, a, a get their brains around them. Like, oh, Father, I know why you want me to tidy the room. I know why you want me to wash myself. I see why you now want me to brush my teeth. No, I don't need you to understand it. I just need you to do it. That's reverent submission. I need you to trust me. This is different layers and constant trust. I need them just to listen to me and to trust me. You see, the thing is, do you really want reconciliation in your family? You want it. Do you really, really want it? It's gonna take a lot of time. It's gonna take a lot of work. It's gonna take a lot of layers going through in yourself. And it's gonna take a lot of trust. It's difficult, I get it. Listen, I've had this myself, my family. I've got, I've got strained relationships in my family in Scotland as well. And there's times when it's like there was, a, there was a point when things just got bad. And I remember just going, I can't believe this is happening. This is not right. And, 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 and a certain frustration starts to rise up inside of you. And I remember one night just waking up in the middle of the night thinking, I'm not sleeping anymore. I can't take this anymore. I started having this conversation with God. And I'm like, God, what do I do with this? What do I do? And I felt like he turned it on me and he said, what do you want? And Part of me said, I want justice. 
I want this situation to be fixed. I want them to admit that they're wrong. I want the world to see that they were entirely wrong. I want them to correct it and reverse it and fix everything. And then it was like he was saying, yeah, but is it gonna happen? And I said, it's not gonna happen. It's like, so you're not gonna get what you want. I started thinking about it and it really kind of troubling me to some degree. And I'm like, well, this sucks or sucketh in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> And I kind of got to a point and I said, well, well, what do you want me to do, God? What, what do you want? And I knew he had settled it in my heart. Give it up. Just let it go. But the, the other side of yourself goes, no, right? That's your will that demands a pound of flesh and demands righteousness and it needs to have justice. And I knew that God was showing me this. is like, that's not my way of reconciliation. Because if I had done that, you would never have gotten saved. If I had done that, I would never have sent my son. But I sent my son in order to be the sacrifice, in order to be the one who wasn't wrong, but decided to be wrong. I sent him to be the vessel of peace. I sent him to follow in the way that I do things. Now I need you to do it. Give it up. Just be the vessel of peace. So I did that night. And I'm telling you, that night, it changed. I decided to no longer be a part of the argument. I no longer decided, I decided to no longer be a part of the accusation. I decided no longer. It doesn't mean that everything's fixed and everything's sorted. It doesn't mean that I agree with everything that's done. Not at all. I decided not to be the executioner, the judge and the executioner. I decided not to be the jury. I decided to be the son that night, the son of my father. And I firmly believe that regardless of what strained relationships you've got, you have to make a decision what type of person you're going to be in your family this year type of person you're going to be in your workplace or in your neighborhood or even with your spouse this year. You have to make the decision. Are you the peacemaker or are you the judge and the jury? Be the voice of peace this year. Let's go to the last one. The last one is this. The journey of reconciliation, all bad news here. This is all Christmas stuff here, right? The journey of reconciliation has many sufferings. Son though he was, that means he was loved he had the affection of his father. He had the protection of his father. He had the ways of his father. He had the goodness of his father. Even though you might be a great son and a great daughter, even though you're a great son and a great daughter, it says he learned obedience from what he suffered. Wow. I don't like this sermon already. <clears throat> it's gonna hurt. You're gonna feel rejection. You're gonna get disappointed. The question is, do you still trust God? Do you still trust the Father to lead you down this path? Can you stay the course? Can you keep pushing in? Can you keep pressing in? Can you keep letting it go? Can you keep moving on? Can you start to love again? Can you push in or do you close off? Do you withhold your love? Do you go your own way? Do you decide not to speak anymore? Do you decide not to communicate? Obedience is to control your emotions, to control your anger, to control your, des your desires, to control your demands for justice and give it back to the Father and say, what do you want me to do? I've been, think I've been thinking about this teaching for probably about four months now. I've been thinking about it for quite a while. <clears throat> and I've just been praying about it and saying, God, how do we do this? Because I know this stuff is real. I got it in my family and I know there's plenty of people who've got it in their family too. One day I just, I woke up in the morning and I was just going about my business and I was just, just 
in a, in a sense, meditating, just chatting with God in my mind. And, and I felt God said something to me. He gave me a challenge, and I decided to do it. And I felt like he said, call this your reconciliation day. Call this your reconciliation day. And I'm like, okay, today is my reconciliation day. What do I need to do? And so I decided to look through my phone and I scrolled through my phone of people that I maybe don't have strong relationships with anymore. People who maybe don't like me, maybe I don't even like them. Maybe they don't come to our church anymore. Um, and I decided to give every one of them a phone call. It was only a few people. And I just reached out to them and I said, listen, I wanted to get in touch with you and some of them didn't even you know, pick up the phone. I just, I just had to leave a voicemail. I said, hey, I just wanted to say hi and check in with you and say uh, how much I miss you. And I want you to know I've just been thinking about you and I've been praying about you and, and uh, I hope you're doing well. I would love to catch up with you sometime and find out what God's doing in your life. And uh, that's pretty much it. I hope you're having a great day. Uh, I'll catch up with you soon. And I just called it my reconciliation day. And some of them actually called back. Some of them didn't call back. That's okay. It's not a problem. My job is not to get them to be reconciled. My job is to get me to be reconciled. My job is for me to be the vessel of peace. I want to challenge you today that this Christmas time, you should consider some of the people that you're going to have a wrestle with. And before you go into their presence, before you have a conversation with them, before you have any time with them, you decide who you are going to be this year. Are you going to be the rejected, broken child this year that has been hurt by them? Or are you going to become the vessel of reconciliation that is going to be the words of the Father? Not to fix them, not to turn them around, not to convince them of anything, but simply to be the words of the Father. Because the scriptures go on, it says this in verse nine, and once he was made perfect, once all the layers were done, he became the source of eternal salvation. That's the bridge of reconciliation for all who obey him. Not, all, not everybody's gonna get reconciled. <clears throat> not everything's gonna get restored. But only those who decide to turn their faces back to the Father. You have an opportunity to be a part of that process. Here's the thing that I've found. I want people to look through me and see that my father is good. I wonder if sometimes people are looking at you and they're wondering if your father is anything like you, I don't want to know your father. That's pretty tough, isn't it? If your father talks anything like you, I don't want to know your dad. If your father acts like you and withholds his love like you, I don't want to know your dad. Our father is dependent on us to represent him, to be, as Corinthians says, the ambassadors of reconciliation. People are going to understand and believe that our father is good and he is a reconciler simply because they see the evidence of it in your life. This year, I believe, we have a chance to change our families, to significantly impact our communities in a way that we maybe have never have done before. But today, it starts. Like I say, this is a, this is a teaching I've been working on for months now, just months and months and months. I knew that God had to tackle it in my life first before I could actually give it to you. But I'm now saying spiritually, tag your it. Tag your it. Go take it to your families. Let's all stand as we finish our service today.
I want to pray for you now that this presence of the Father will suddenly start to just glow inside of you. <laughs> because I believe that some of us wonder, how am I going to walk into that room and say the words? I'm a, you get into a fear, and some of you maybe even freeze up, and some of you immediately get this reaction. But remember, you're not there to say what you think or feel. You're there to say what the Father thinks and feels about them. You see the difference? That's why you got to try and put it inside of your spirit and say, fill me up, fill me up, Holy Spirit. Give me the words of the Father so that they'll come out of me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for anyone who's asking for forgiveness this morning because they haven't acted the way that they should act. Through their repentance and through forgiveness right now, they are becoming the vessels that are ready to be the peace on earth, to be the peace in the midst of trials and tribulations. In the name of Jesus, I pray you would give them tenacity, give them long-suffering, give them the patience that they need to keep pressing in and trusting you that you've got everything in control. Give us the words that we need to speak to our family and to our communities. Give us the words that need to be said, words that are not making us a doormat, words that are not gonna just make us just be benevolent and and easily trod on, but words that truly bring truth and peace and understanding. We trust you, Father, to be in charge of everything, not ourselves. Fill us now with your spirit, we ask in your precious son's name and all God's people said with a loud voice, amen. May God bless you and keep you. And I'll see you next week at the Mary Show. Jim.